Hello, lady apes, gentle apes, robot apes, alien apes, hologram apes, projection apes, and any ape in between any of those. Welcome to CrayonCast. This is a podcast by apes for apes, where several volunteering apes translate the due diligence crayon notes of other apes into audio format for those of us who don't know how to read. Your hosts are myself, Pickle Rick, Wipe with Wipes, Scalpel User, Breck the Poet, and Secretly Reformed. Before we get started, I must state that this content is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any such information or other materials, legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. Nothing contained in our content constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by the hosts or any third-party service provider to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments in this or in any other jurisdiction in which such solicitation or offer would be unlawful. Reading today's episode, part two of Putting Shills on Blast, a concerned businessman has come to snitch on the hedgy spies more inside by you slash the goombler is secretly reformed. Hi, this is secretly reformed. I'm on Reddit under the same name. I don't have any other social media to tell you about, so I'll just shout out the r slash reformed subreddit and maybe you'll run into me there sometime. For now, let's read some DD. Eight Traits of the Disinformationalist 1. Avoidance They never actually discuss issues head-on or provide constructive input, generally avoiding citation of references or credentials. Rather, they merely imply this, that, and the other. Virtually everything about their presentation implies their authority and expert knowledge in the matter without any further justification for credibility. 2. Selectivity They tend to pick and choose opponents carefully, either applying the hit-and-run approach against mere commentators supportive of opponents, or focusing heavier attacks on key opponents who are known to directly address issues. Should a commentator become argumentative with any success, the focus will shift to include the commentator as well. 3. Coincidental They tend to surface suddenly and somewhat coincidentally with a new controversial topic, with no clear prior record of participation and general discussions in the particular public arena involved. They likewise tend to vanish once the topic is no longer of general concern. They were likely directed or elected to be there for a reason and vanish with the reason. 4. Teamwork They tend to operate in self-congratulatory and complementary packs or teams. Of course, this can happen naturally in any public forum, but there will likely be an ongoing pattern of frequent exchanges of this sort where professionals are involved. Sometimes, one of the players will infiltrate the opponent camp to become a source for strawman and other tactics designed to dilute opponent presentation strength. 5. Anti-conspiratorial They almost always have disdain for conspiracy theorists, and usually for those who in any way believe JFK was not killed by LHO. Ask yourself why, if they hold such disdain for conspiracy theorists, do they focus on defending a single topic discussed in a NG news group focusing on conspiracies? One might think they would either be trying to make fools of everyone on every topic, or simply ignore the group they hold in such disdain. Or, 
one might more rightly conclude they have an ulterior motive for their actions in going out of their way to focus as they do. 6. Artificial Emotions An odd kind of artificial emotionalism and an unusually thick skin. An ability to persevere and persist even in the face of overwhelming criticism and unacceptance. This likely stems from intelligence community training that, no matter how condemning the evidence, deny everything, and never become emotionally involved or reactive. The net result for a disinfo artist is that emotions can seem artificial. Most people, if responding in anger, for instance, will express their animosity throughout their rebuttal. But disinfo types usually have trouble maintaining the image and are hot and cold with respect to pretended emotions, and they're usually more calm and unemotional communication style. It's just a job, and they often seem unable to act their role and character as well in a communications medium as they might be able in a real face-to-face conversation or confrontation. You might have outright rage and indignation one moment, ho-hum the next, and anger later, an emotional yo-yo. With respect to being thick-skinned, no amount of criticism will deter them from doing their job, and they will generally continue their old disinfo patterns without any adjustments to criticisms of how obvious it is that they play that game, where a more rational individual who truly cares what others think might seek to improve their communication style, substance, and so forth, or simply give up. 7. Inconsistent. There is also a tendency to make mistakes which betray their true self or motives. This may stem from not really knowing their topic, or it may be somewhat Freudian, so to speak, and that perhaps they really root for the side of truth deep within. I have noted that often they will simply cite contradictory information which neutralizes itself and the author. For instance, one such player claimed to be a Navy pilot, but blamed his poor communicating skills, spelling, grammar, incoherent style, on having only a grade school education. I'm not aware of too many Navy pilots who don't have a college degree. Another claimed no knowledge of a particular topic or situation, but later claimed first-hand knowledge of it. 8. Time Constant Recently discovered, with respect to news groups, is the response time factor. There are three ways this can be seen to work, especially when the government or other empowered player is involved in a cover-up operation. A. Any NG posting by a targeted proponent for truth can result in an immediate response. The government and other empowered players can afford to pay people to sit there and watch for an opportunity to do some damage. Such disinfo in an NG only works if the reader sees it, fast response is called for, or the visitor may be swayed towards the truth. B. When dealing in more direct ways with a disinformationalist, such as email, delay is called for. There will usually be a minimum of a 48 to 72 hour delay. This allows a sit-down team discussion on response strategy for best effect and even enough time to get permission or instruction from a formal chain of command. C. In the NG example 1 above, 
it will often also be seen that bigger guns are drawn and fired after the same 48 to 72 hours delay, the team approach in play. This is especially true when the targeted truth seeker or their comments are considered more important with respect to potential to reveal truth. Thus, a serious truth-sayer will be attacked twice for the same sin. How to Spot a Spy, or COINTELPRO Agent One way to neutralize a potential activist is to get them to be in a group that does all the wrong things. Why? 1. The message doesn't get out. 2. A lot of time is wasted. 3. The activist is frustrated and discouraged. 4. Nothing good is accomplished. FBI and police informers and infiltrators will infest any group and they have phony activist organizations established. Their purpose is to prevent any real movement for justice or eco-peace from developing in this country. Agents come in small, medium, or large. They can be of any ethnic background. They can be male or female. The actual size of the group or movement being infiltrated is irrelevant. It is the potential the movement has for becoming large which brings on the spies and saboteurs. This booklet lists tactics agents use to slow things down, foul things up, destroy the movement, and keep tabs on activists. It is the agent's job to keep the activist from quitting such a group, thus keeping him or her under control. In some situations, to get control, the agent will tell the activist, You're dividing the movement. Here I have added the psychological reasons as to why this maneuver works to control people. This invites guilty feelings. Many people can be controlled by guilt. The agents begin relationships with activists behind a well-developed mask of dedication to the cause. Because of their often declared dedication and actions designed to prove this, when they criticize the activist, he or she, being truly dedicated to the movement, becomes convinced that somehow any issues are their fault. This is because a truly dedicated person tends to believe that everyone has a conscience and that nobody would dissimulate and lie like that on purpose. It's amazing how far agents can go in manipulating an activist because the activist will constantly make excuses for the agent who regularly declares their dedication to the cause. Even if they do occasionally suspect the agent they will pull the wool over their own eyes by rationalizing. They did that unconsciously. They didn't really mean it. I can help them by being forgiving and accepting. And so on and so forth. The agent will tell the activist, You're a leader. This is designed to enhance the activist's self-esteem. His or her narcissistic admiration of his or her own activist or altruistic intentions increase as he or she identifies with and consciously admires the altruistic declarations of the agent, which are deliberately set up to mirror those of the activist. This is malignant pseudo-identification. It is the process by which the agent consciously imitates or simulates a certain behavior to foster the activist's identification with him or her, thus increasing the activist's vulnerability to exploitation. The agent will simulate the more subtle self-concepts of the activist. Activists and those who have altruistic self-concepts are most vulnerable to malignant pseudo-identification especially during work with the agent 
when the interaction includes matter relating to their competency, autonomy, or knowledge. The goal of the agent is to increase the activist's general empathy for the agent through pseudo-identification with the activist's self-concepts. The most common example of this is the agent who will compliment the activist for his competency, or knowledge, or value to the movement. On a more subtle level, the agent will simulate effects and mannerisms of the activist, which promotes identification via mirroring and feelings of twinship. It is not unheard of for activists, enamored by the perceived helpfulness and competence of a good agent, to find themselves considering ethical violations and perhaps even illegal behavior in the service of their agent-slash-handler. The activist's felt quality of perfection, self-concept, is enhanced, and a strong empathetic bond is developed with the agent through his or her imitation and simulation of the victim's own narcissistic investments, self-concepts. That is, if the activist knows deep inside their own dedication to the cause, they will project that onto the agent who is mirroring them. The activist will be deluded into thinking that the agent shares this feeling of identification and bonding. In an activist-slash-social movement setting, the adversarial ones that activists naturally play vis-a-vis the establishment-slash-government fosters ongoing processes of intra-psychic splitting so that twinship alliances between activist and agent may render whole sectors or reality testing unavailable to the activist. They literally lose touch with reality. Activists who deny their own narcissistic investments do not have a good idea of their own self-concepts and that they are concepts, and consciously perceive themselves, accurately as it were, to be helpers endowed with a special amount of altruism are exceedingly vulnerable to the effective emotional stimulation of the accomplished agent. Empathy is fostered in the activist through the expression of quite visible effects. The presentation of tearfulness, sadness, longing, fear, remorse, and guilt may induce in the helper-oriented activist a strong sense of compassion while unconsciously enhancing the activist's narcissistic investment in self as the embodiment of goodness. The agent's expression of such simulated effects may be quite compelling to the observer and difficult to distinguish from deep emotion. It can usually be identified by two events, however. First, the activist, who has analyzed his or her own narcissistic roots, and is aware of his or her own potential for being emotionally hooked, will be able to remain cool and unaffected by such emotional outpourings by the agent. As a result of this unaffected cool attitude, the second event will occur. The agent will recompensate much too quickly following such an effective expression, leaving the activist with the impression that the play has ended, the curtain has fallen, and the imposter, for the moment, has finished. The agent will then move quickly to another activist-slash-victim. The fact is, the movement doesn't need leaders. It needs movers. Follow the leader is a waste of time. A good agent will want to meet as often as possible. He or she will talk a lot and say little. One can expect an onslaught of long, unresolved discussions. 
Some agents take on a pushy, arrogant, or defensive manner. One, to disrupt the agenda. Two, to sidetrack the discussion. Three, to interrupt repeatedly. Four, to feign ignorance. Five, to make an unfounded accusation against a person. Calling someone a racist, for example. This tactic is used to discredit a person in the eyes of all other group members. Saboteurs. Some saboteurs pretend to be activists. She or he will, one, write encyclopedic flyers in the present-day websites. Two, print flyers in English only. Three, have demonstrations in places where no one cares. Four, solicit funding from rich people instead of grassroots support. Five, display banners with too many words that are confusing. Six, confuse issues. Seven, make the wrong demands. Eight, compromise the goal. Nine, have endless discussions that waste everyone's time. The agent may accompany the endless discussions with drinking, pot smoking, or other amusement to slow down the activist's work. Provocateurs. One, want to establish leaders to set them up for a fall in order to stop the movement. Two, suggest doing foolish, illegal things to get the activists in trouble. Three, encourage militancy. Four, want to taunt the authorities. Five, attempt to make the activists compromise their values. Six, attempt to instigate violence. Activism ought to always be nonviolent. Seven, attempt to provoke revolt among people who are ill-prepared to deal with the reaction of the authorities to such violence. Informants. One, want everyone to sign up and sign in and sign everything. Two, ask a lot of questions, gathering data. Three, want to know what events the activist is planning to attend. Four, attempt to make the activist defend himself or herself to identify his or her beliefs, goals, and level of commitment. Recruiting. Legitimate activists do not subject people to hours of persuasive dialogue. Their actions, beliefs, and goals speak for themselves. Groups that do recruit are missionaries, military, and fake political parties or movements set up by agents. Surveillance. Always assume that you are under surveillance. At this point, if you are not under surveillance, you are not a very good activist. Scare tactics. They use them. Such tactics include slander, defamation, threats, getting close to disaffected or minimally committed fellow activists to persuade them, via psychological tactics described above, to turn against the movement and give false testimony against their former compatriots. They will plant illegal substances on the activist and set up an arrest. They will plant false information and set up exposure. They will send incriminating letters, emails, in the name of the activist, and more, they will do whatever society will allow. This booklet in no way covers all the ways agents use to sabotage the lives of sincere and dedicated activists. If an agent is exposed, he or she will be transferred or replaced. COINTELPRO is still in operation today under a different code name. 
it is no longer placed on paper where it can be discovered through the Freedom of Information Act. The FBI counterintelligence program's stated purpose, to expose, disrupt, misdirect, discredit, and otherwise neutralize individuals who the FBI categorizes as opposed to the national interests. National security means the FBI's security from the people ever finding out the vicious things it does in violation of the people's civil liberties. 17 Techniques for Truth Suppression Strong, credible allegations of high-level criminal activity can bring down a government. When the government lacks an effective, fact-based defense, other techniques must be employed. The success of these techniques depends heavily upon a cooperative, compliant press and a mere token opposition party. 1. Dummy up. If it's not reported, if it's not news, it didn't happen. 2. Wax indignant. This is also known as the how dare you gambit. 3. Characterize the charges as rumors, or better yet, wild rumors. If, in spite of the news blackout, the public is still able to learn about the suspicious facts, it can only be through rumors. If they tend to believe the rumors, it must be because they are simply paranoid and hysterical. 4. Knock down straw men. Deal only with the weakest aspects of the weakest charges. Even better, create your own straw men. Make up wild rumors or plant false stories and give them lead play while you appear to debunk all the charges, real and fanciful alike. Call the skeptics names like conspiracy theorist, nutcase, ranter, kook, crackpot, and of course, rumor monger. Be sure, too, to use heavily loaded verbs and adjectives when characterizing their charges and defending the more reasonable government and its defenders. You must then carefully avoid fair and open debate with any of the people you have thus maligned. For insurance, set up your own skeptics to shoot down. 6. Impugn motives. Attempt to marginalize the critics by suggesting strongly that they are not really interested in the truth, but are simply pursuing a partisan political agenda or are out to make money compared to overcompensated adherents to the government line who presumably are not. 7. Invoke authority. Here, the controlled press and the sham opposition can be very useful. 8. Dismiss the charges as old news. 9. Come half clean. This is also known as confession and avoidance, or taking the limited hangout route. This way, you create the impression of candor and honesty while you admit only to relatively harmless, less-than-criminal mistakes. This stratagem often requires the embrace of a fallback position quite different from the one originally taken. With effective damage control, the fallback position need only be peddled by stooge skeptics to carefully limited markets. 10. Characterize the crimes as impossibly complex 
and the truth as ultimately unknowable. 11. Reason backward using the deductive method with a vengeance. With thoroughly rigorous deduction, troublesome evidence is irrelevant. E.g., we have a completely free press. If evidence exists that the Vince Foster suicide note was forged, they would have reported it. They haven't reported it, so there is no such evidence. Another variation on this theme involves the likelihood of a conspiracy leaker and a press who would report the leak. 12. Require the skeptics to solve the crime completely. E.g., if Foster was murdered, who did it and why? 13. Change the subject. This technique includes creating and or publicizing distractions. 14. Lightly report incriminating facts and then make nothing of them. This is sometimes referred to as bump-and-run reporting. 15. Baldly and brazenly lie. A favorite way of doing this is to attribute the facts furnished the public to a plausible-sounding but anonymous source. 16. Expanding further on numbers 4 and 5, have your own stooges expose scandals and champion popular causes. Their job is to preempt real opponents and to play 99-yard football. A variation is to pay rich people for the job who will pretend to spend their own money. 17. Flood the internet with agents. This is the answer to the question, what could possibly motivate a person to spend hour upon hour on internet news groups defending the government and or the press and harassing genuine critics? Don't the authorities have defenders enough in all the newspapers, magazines, radio, and television? One would think refusing to print critical letters and screening out serious callers or dumping them from radio talk shows would be control enough, but obviously, it is not. Well, Crayon Nation, that's been today's episode. We encourage you to go and read the comments on the original thread on Reddit written by you slash the goombler. That's you slash T-H-E. G-O-O-M-B-L-E-R. You can find a link to the original thread in the description of this episode. As always, be good to yourself, be good to others, and be good to the world around you. Your hosts have been me, Pickle Rick, Wipe with Wipes, Scalpel User, Brett the Poet, who also did our theme music, and Secretly Reformed. We'll see you next time.